Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and thank you to the guys for Guy Talk. Always a lively hour. I, I hope you enjoyed that. This hour, I've got Dr. Glenn Pickering in studio with me, and we're going to talk about our kingdom limiting fears. In other words, what are some of the fears that limit us from kingdom work? Is that right, Glenn? You got it. All right. So thank you for helping with that slight introduction. Dr. Glenn Pickering <laughs> is a uh, relationship counselor. He's an author. He is uh, a former engineer, a pastor, a PhD in psychology. Um, he's the whole kitchen sink. So <laughs> here he is in, in studio for a full hour. So we're going to talk right. about the, the our kingdom limiting fears. Now, Glenn, I'm going to invite you to uh, take it from there. Great. Super. Yeah. I think all the time to myself, you know, if you read that parable that Jesus talks about, what is the kingdom like? You know, he tells a whole series of them. And then at the end, he says, it's like a mustard seed. It starts off the smallest seed in the kingdom, basically, and grows into this big bush. And people always want to talk about, um, so that's the kingdom. It starts off small and gets big. But see, that's not actually where the parable ends. The rest of the story is what grows so big that even birds of the field can make nests in its branches. That's the rest of that parable. So it's like if I'm really trying to live into God's kingdom, it's going to start with some small little seed. It's going to get really way bigger, and it will bless everybody around me. It's really important to understand. It's not about me. When I'm doing the thing that I'm really called to do, and it will be fun because, you know, we're all called to use our particular gifts in whatever is the best way. So it'll be a a good ride. But we need to understand we're called to use our gifts in ways where something will start small, get way bigger, and then bless all the people around us. And this is true for all of us. Now, here's the trick. As soon as I do that, as soon as I think, okay, okay, I believe it. I, I'm thinking I'm called maybe just in this situation to speak up, or maybe in this relationship to reach out to somebody, or maybe to start this ministry. I mean, it can be a little thing or a big thing that I might be a feel called to do at the moment. So, But it applies in all things. The first thing that will happen is I will hit what I call the wall of fear. The instant I get what God really has in mind for me, at that moment, <laughs> our first reaction will be a fearful reaction, which is why in every one of the call narratives in the Old Testament where God or an angel comes to earth and calls somebody to do some big thing, always they have to say to the person, be not afraid. Because <laughs> you, know, you can see that look of fear in their eyes, like, oh my goodness, you want me to do What? You want me to talk to my sister who I haven't spoken to in 10 years because she's so awful? Yep. You want me to start this ministry in our church but will make me really, really nervous? Yep. Whatever that is, we're going to hit that fear, whatever fear it is that has kept us trapped so far. And, um, oh, what's the name of that guy who wrote the great book, uh, Purge Your Baz, and also then wrote The Dream Giver? I don't know. Can't help you. Okay, anyway. That book, A Dream Giver, is an amazing book. He talks about this guy who lives in this, this ordinary town, and he, he gets this big dream put on his heart by God, so he leaves town. And he's thinking, as soon as I get to the edge of the town, my adventure is going to start. It's going to be so great. 
But the first thing he actually bumps into is the border bullies. <laughs> All the people say, are you sure you want to leave? That's crazy. That's stupid. That'll never work. <laughs> and I think, yes, if we start sharing our dream with other people, there will be some people who will probably be judgmental or critical. So I'm not saying that won't happen. But most of our border bullies are actually internal. The instant we realize what God's asking us to do in that moment, our first reaction is going to be <laughs> like some fear that's internal to us. And so I want to talk about the four fears we're most likely to hit and a way to sort of very graciously and gently move past each one of those. So That's very helpful. Okay, cool. Uh, interesting. You talk about the border bullies. Yeah, there's uh-huh. plenty of people that will will offer uh, criticism or concerns or oh, sure. something that, that says you really don't want to do that, do you? Or that's not going to work out. Right. But Let the me... internal bullies, they're the worst. Right, right. Because the only reason those external bullies are so awful is when they say, Glenn, that won't work, that's dumb, blah, blah, blah. See, if I didn't already sort of feel like that myself, I would probably just blow off that bad feedback. But if I'm already sort of thinking that to myself and then I get that feedback, it just sort of multiplies the fears I already have inside me. Mm-hmm. And I start thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe that's true. How do we know when it's wise counsel or people being a bully, though? Right. Here's the thing. Well, this is how I think about it. If God puts something on my heart, that small, still voice, it comes to me with perfect clarity and no condemnation. So if God says, Glenn, you need to learn how to be more welcoming, and I hear that in my prayer, which I did, I just knew it was true. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel criticized. I didn't feel condemned for the fact that I hadn't been very good at it so far. I just knew, yep, that's true. Mm -hmm. Whereas all of our fears have a lot of adrenaline to them. So it's very intense, which is why, you know, when it says in the scriptures, you know, God is not in the volcano, God's not in the big storm. All those big, panicky, loud voices are not God's voice. God is that very gentle one that says, Glenn, here's what I'd like you to do. Oh, okay. (laughs) There's no judgment to it. It's not harsh. It's never loud. It's very, very clear and gentle. And I always think when I talk to my clients that, um, how can I say? The two surest signs of God's presence, I always think, are joy and peace. And so if I hear a sentence from God, it brings me joy and peace. One of those or both of those. I'll feel like, oh, yeah, that's right. It'll just bring a peaceful sense to me. Or I'll think, wow, that's amazing. It'll bring a sense of joy to me. But all of our border beliefs just bring fear. And fear is not God's voice. So if I'm afraid, I'm not listening to a godly voice. I'm listening to my own fearful voices in the back of my head. So I'm just going to start talking about fear number one, if that's all right. That'd be great. Okay, cool. So fear number one is this will never work. I'll fail. I'll look stupid. And this is the one I'm most likely to hear in the back of our own head and from other people. All the reasons why that won't work. And, um, and we need to realize, honestly, as Christians, how inconsistent that is with the biblical witness. You know, we hear in Philippians that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And, um, you know, we hear in Romans 8 that, um, you know, in all things God works to bring about the good. And Jesus in Matthew 7 says, basically we're supposed to come before the Father and ask for what we want, with the strong belief that, of course, then our loving Father will start working to make that happen. So it's never true that if I do what God asked me to do, that it won't work. That's never true. It is, however, that it might not work the way I thought it was supposed to in my own little human thinking. So, for example, it's never true that if I listen to God's call, that it won't work. But it might work out a little different than I thought. For example, I, um, 
Years ago, I joined this business networking group called BNI, which stands for Business Networking International, a great group. I'd recommend it to anybody. I was in it for three years, a number of years back. And it wasn't a great fit for me because a lot of the people in that group were more in the housing industry and things like that. But I still went for three years because I loved it. Every day you had to talk about what you were doing and, you know, why people might want to refer clients to you. I got way more confident in myself being put in that group. Um, I learned all kinds of people who do all kinds of other interesting things, and I created a whole network of helping people in my life that I'd never had before. Um, I got tons of support from people from the things I was doing. The group actually became more Christian over time, which is really interesting to me. And the whole thing started felt, began to feel like a real community. And it's just interesting to me. So, and I did get some referrals out of it. I'm not saying, you know, I didn't get any, but, you know, that thought I had in my head is, hey, I'll join this group. I'll get tons of referrals. I did get some. And I thought, well, that's why I'm called to join this group. And like I said, I did get some of that and a network and a community and, and a whole group that moved in a Christian direction and helped with people and just, just interesting. I could bless in so many ways, not exactly in the way I thought, but in ways actually that were way bigger than I thought. Mm-hmm. And many of those people are still in my life. And it's been years. So I just think it's just interesting. So you could look at that experiment and say, well, that didn't work. But see, the truth is it worked beautifully. <laughs> it might not work exactly the way I defined in my human brain what working would look like. Mm-hmm. But I was faithful. I went to that group. I did the things I was asked to do. And amazing things came out of it. Really, really godly things, which are still affecting my life in a positive way today. So yeah. it's like good things will happen if we listen. It might not be the good things we have made up on our head, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah, we may make our plans, but God has the last word. Yes, and, and God's, and they're always so much bigger. Yeah, and can and we trust so, Him for the outcome? Yeah, and so yeah. much more, so much less predictable. I um, I got a call oh several years ago now from a pastor friend of mine who often has me come and talk at their church. And he said, "Glenn, I really want to get together for you for coffee," which you know is what he would usually say in the past if he had some project or thing he wanted to do with me. I thought, great. So I go with him, meeting with him, thinking we're going to talk about some ministry he's starting that maybe he wants me to be a part of. And he said, Glenn, you're the only person I can talk to about this. He had some personal struggles going on in his life. He said, there's nobody at church I can talk to about this because that'd be inappropriate. And I'm hoping it's okay if I talk to you about it, which I was so touched. I could just cry thinking about how I was able to be so helpful to that pastor in need who in turn helps hundreds and hundreds of other people. So was my going there blessed? Yes. Was I, I felt called to say yes? Absolutely. Was I called to do that? Yes. Was I listening to God's leading? Yes. Was the outcome the one I expected? <laughs> no. But it was an amazing outcome, a godly outcome, a really, I would say, sacred outcome. Not necessarily the one I expected. So if we say, well, if I do this thing God puts on my heart, it might not work. That will never be true. God is faithful. God will finish what he started. God will work with you. God will bring people into your lives in amazing ways to support and strengthen you. Whatever God had in mind is going to work. It just might not be the way you think in your human head that working is going to look like. Mm. So I have some um, people in my life who grew up in um, Asia, and they come with a little different view of faith, but they talk a lot about detachment, which I'd always argue with them. Like, we're not supposed to be detached. We're supposed to be involved in this world. We're here to use our gifts and make a difference. But I finally got it. They don't mean detached like uncaring. They just mean detached like don't get too attached to what you think the outcome is supposed to be. The outcome will be amazing. Don't get hung up on that. Something cool is going to happen if you listen. We just don't necessarily know what it's going to be, but it will be great. Mm -hmm. It will be amazing and probably way more interesting than anything we'd have thought of. And then the Romans 8.28, God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I know. That's what I think all the time, right? So if we're really just trying to listen, amazing things are going to happen. They just will. Yeah, great. 
Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about fears and things that will limit us in our in our kingdom experiences. And so fear number one was that this won't work. I'll fail. I'll look stupid. And we're going to take a short break and come back with fear number two. But Glenn has got his uh, thing starting this Monday, which is going to be a Facebook Live thing. It's Glenn in 10. So for 10 days in a row, starting at 7 p.m. Central Time at his Facebook Live event, he's going to talk for 10 minutes. And there's going to be a new topic every day for 10 nights in a row. And the first topic is you're half crazy, and that's okay. The incredible power of the 50-50 rule. To learn more about that, you can go to drglennpickering.com and check it out. We'll be right back. Dr. Glenn Pickering with me today. We're talking about kingdom limiting fears. And he was nice enough to produce an outline of today's talk, and it is available right on his website. If you head over to drglennpickering.com, that's Glenn with two N's, so Dr. G-L-E-N-N-P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G. And under the Resources tab, you click that and then go under Media, and lo and behold, there is uh, today's outline of all of his notes that he's talking from today. So if you think, I wish I had a pen, I could write this down and you're in your car. Well, don't do that. Just go to his website and you can just download and print it out yourself or look at it online. So anyway, Glenn, let's get to fear number two. All right. Fear number two, it seems funny sometimes when I say it to people, but I promise it's true. You know, I have for years done a seminar for couples, a weekend seminar called Living the Truth. And when I invite people to it um, and they tell me why they can't come, they're going to say because they're busy or they don't have many money or who knows what. But I've come to understand there's only two actual reasons why people decide not to come to the Living the Truth seminar. One, because they don't think it's going to work. Two, because they think it's going to work. That's fear number two. Because mm-hmm. see, if I think my world's a little shaky already, I mean, this marriage is kind of okay but not great, or if I'm in a world where I feel like I'm just barely holding on, and I'm supposed to do this new thing. Well, that's going to change things. Yep. And people are scared of change. And I don't mean bad people. I mean people. We are all afraid of change. That's all there is to it. We kind of like keeping things the same, which is curious because if you notice that everything God has ever created has two things in common, which is that it's always changing gradually. So to be against change is to really not be on a godly path, which... um but anyway, I just get, we had that fear of change. We just do. And so um, so our first fear is that it won't work. I'm going to look stupid. Our second biggest fear, once we really accept, yep, God has big things for me, I hit that wall of fear. The second fear is likely to be, <laughs> what if this does work? This will make changes in my life. This is scary because it's going to make things change because it is going to work. Um, and, um, and it's true. If I'm called to talk to my brother, who I haven't talked to in 10 years, I'm called to speak in front of church, and I'm really afraid of speaking. I'm called to lead a group, and I feel like, yeah, I know I'm called to do it, and I've always wanted to, but now that it's in front of me, I don't know if I'm good enough. I mean, all those things where we feel like, okay, I am being called this, and it will make a difference in my life. It will have an impact one way or another. And um, and mostly we feel like we're going to maybe lose something in that process. And I think it's important to understand, hmm, how can I say this? Every yes starts with a no. So if I really say yes to the kingdom, 
really, truly, whatever God has in my mind, the first thing that's going to happen is I'm going to have to clear out something that has gotten in the way so far. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to talk to my brother who I haven't seen in 10 years. I'm going to have to pray and look over all the bitterness, all the resentment, all the stuff that gets in the way of caring for him and remembering how precious he is. I'm going to have to let all that go before I can be in that before I can be in that conversation with them. If I'm called to do this ministry, and I know I'm called to do it, but it's going to take some time and I'm pretty busy, I'm going to be called to let go of some things that I'm probably no longer called to do, et cetera, et cetera. In order to say yes to the kingdom, there's probably something I'm going to have to let go of or quit doing. That's probably true. And so when people say to me, well, Glenn, that will create a sacrifice for me, I think, yes. So I don't, I don't get around that one. I guess, of course, it will. But here's what I've really, really come to understand. Well, let me start here. Way back when I started doing counseling, so honestly, what, 35 years ago? Wow. Doesn't seem like a day over 50. All right, so, but here's a guy recovering from alcoholism, and he'd been in recovery for a couple of years. And I said, well, good for you. Like, that's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why are you not, like, proud of this? And he said, you know, it is true that... um that 70% of the people who used to be my friends are now way better friends because they know what's true about me. They're there to support me. They say I can call them any time of day or night. They make a point of not drinking around me. They always look out for me. He said they are way, way better friends. He said, but 30% of my friends I've lost altogether, you know, because they keep saying, ah, come on down to the bar and have one drink. One drink's not going to hurt you. And, I, I, you know, I can't do that, so I've lost those friendships. And it just hit me as I was listening I felt like God just put these words in my heart so clearly. I said to him, you didn't lose those friendships. You lost the illusions that those were friendships. So it's not so much you kept 70% of your friends and lost 30 of them. It's that the 70% of the people in your life who really were your friends have now become way better friends, Christian brothers and sisters, powerful people that help you, care for you, look after you. And the people who never were your friends or really just wanted somebody to sit by them in the bar while they got drunk. Yeah, they're not in your life anymore, but they never were your friends. Mm -hmm. So I see over and over and over again that when we're called to do something, we'll make changes. That's true. There will be a sacrifice of some sort, something we have to let go of. That's true, too. But we're so likely to find out that that thing we're being asked to let go of is an illusion. Mm. Like, let's say I have that brother who I haven't talked to in 10 years. Okay. I'm going to have to look over my bitterness and resentment. Well, I could say, well, how can I give that up, blah, blah, blah. And I think, see, I'm under the illusion that somehow my bitterness and resentment and hatred and all that judgment are somehow making me happy. <sighs> That's a crazy thought. It makes a person super unhappy. Well, I am letting go of all that power. You don't have any power. You are literally powerless. You can't call your own brother. Like, <laughs> the only things you're losing are illusions, and the things you're getting back are real. An alcoholic guy got 70% of the guys in his life were really, really close friends. I have a chance of getting my brother back if I get past all my old stuff and I make that call. Whatever that is, if mm-hmm. I'm called to do a ministry, I'm, I might have to let go of some of my old anxiety. I might, have to, I might have to do all kinds of things. And even if I do tell people my big vision, and there are a couple of them who are real fast to tell me how stupid that is, and they're border bullies, and that'll never work. I might actually have to let them go in my life. Not because I'm losing my friends, because I just really got. You guys are never on my team. And I'm not saying that's not sad. But what's sad is not that I lost my friends. What's sad is I lost the illusion that they were my friends, if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. And that's maybe a stark reality 
Right. And if that friend was a friend that you had in times of using and partying and right. all those good times you talk about, well, right. that was an illusion as well. I mean, exactly. It, it oh, that a temporary was, thing, right, but it that wasn't was so, true friendship. Right. That was so fun. That was so great. What a great time in my life. And I thought, you worked all week at a job you hated. You spent all the money you had getting drunk on Friday and Saturday. You felt like crud Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday because you were hungover. And the only friends you had were people who drink with you. <laughs> And you don't have a, you've lost your faith life totally. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. what are you losing here, Jack? I mean, what's, right. you know, right. what's that? There's a cost here, but the cost is mostly an illusion. And what we find then is we gain things that are huge and we lose things that were never real in the first place. Mm-hmm. Glad I feel like I've seen a, a lot of fractured relationships even in the last five years. Right. With people talking about differences in whether it's, uh, faith or politics or the culture right and they all of a sudden say i can't be your friend anymore and i think well maybe they really weren't your friend in the first place right or they've simply gone crazy but um but yes i just think if if being my friend depends on me being in the same group you're in well yeah you're right that's not what a really great friend looks like mm-hmm. a really great friend might disagree with me but it's not going to keep them being my friend right right and I just think, and if I'm the person that's cutting it off, it's like, well, you say something to me, I don't disagree with you, so I'm not your friend anymore. I have to admit, I was never a friend. Yeah, good point. I like the point that every yes usually begins with a no in some right. form. Yes. That is spot on true, because if you are making a commitment to one thing, there's probably something that's going to have to get cut cut out. Right, absolutely. That's a good thing. Right, That's absolutely. a very good thing. Right. Even if I'm just getting a new couch, I'm going to have to get rid of the old shaggy beat-up right. couch that I've somehow come to love, even though it looks like crap. Right, <laughs> right. It's still hard to let it go. Right, exactly. Yeah. Even though you're getting this brand-new couch. Right, yeah. which will be way more comfortable and better for you, and my broken back will feel better. But, exactly. Right, exactly. Right. There's well, always a no of some sort to start with. Yeah, I know, I know. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. And if you uh, are interested in the notes that he has for today and the four fears he has outlined, you can go right to his website, and you can look at it there or print it off if you like. His website is drglennpickering.com, P-I-C-K-E-R-I-N-G, and Glenn is with two N's. And starting on Valentine's Day, he's going to have Glenn at 10, Glenn for 10 or Glenn at 10? Glenn at 10? Glenn in 10. Glenn in 10. Yep. So for you'll get 10 minutes of Glenn for 10 days in a row at 7 p.m. Central Time. You got it. And it's a Facebook Live event, and he'll have a different topic every night, and I think you will probably be enormously blessed by that. So you can head and learn more about that at drglennpickering.com. That would be under the events uh, tab yep. on his website and yep. just scroll down to Dr. Glenn's events and boom, there it is. Uh, session one is uh, coming up this Monday. Ses- session two, this topic is jumping out of your relationship rut. Session three is being happy is easier than you think. So he's got these very provocative topics. So I think you'll enjoy it. All right, we'll take a short break and be right back. Welcome to 
the show. I'm so glad to have Dr. Glenn Pickering with me. We're talking about our kingdom-limiting fears. And, Glenn, I just before we move on to fear number three, I did get a, a note. Um, I can say as someone who has recently relapsed after five and a half years, you lose more than bar friends. I started drinking again, and my dad died a year ago, and I've lost teammates as well. So it's a complicated issue for sure. Yep. And, but it's important to notice that you felt called to sobriety and your sobriety didn't cause those problems. Okay. Thank you. Let's move on to fear number three. Yep. Fear number three is some people won't like me Uh or won't approve of me really is what it means. Yeah. And I think, wait, if I do the thing God puts on my heart, some people won't approve of that. I, um... You know, I got my undergraduate degree as an engineer, and I decided I really want to go back to seminary and be a parish pastor. And so many people in my friend group, family groups, are so proud of me so, and literally said those words. I'm so happy for you, so proud of you. That's so great. Then when I was in seminary in my last year, I um, was talking to this guy at lunch, and he asked me how it was going at the church I was working at. And I said, you know, I love being in church. I love preaching. I love teaching. I love counseling. But honest to goodness, if I have to go to one more committee meeting, I think I might bang my head against the wall. And he said, out of the blue, he hardly knew me. He said, you know, you really should be a psychologist. <laughs> yeah. And it was the first time in my life I felt like literally God was talking right to me through another person. Like it was so utterly convicting to me. So um, when I finished seminary, I did go back and get my PhD in um, psychology. And when I told people who had been so proud of me that I was going into ministry, that I was going to go into the specialized ministry and, and Christian counseling, let's just say I didn't get the same level of approval. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Luckily, I felt so clear that I was called that I didn't, you know, that didn't really affect me too much. But I just know if you really claim your calling, whatever that is, calling up your long lost brother, taking a different job, starting a ministry, joining a small group of some sort, there are going to be some people who think, well, not just that that's wrong, but are kind of disapproving that you're doing that. I, um, there are lots of Christians, for example, who when they start their faith, they get all excited about it. They tell people that they're Christian now. And some people are real excited for them, and some people, let's just say, are not. <laughs> yeah. You get a lot of disapproval. Oh, one of those. <laughs> and so I just think it's important to understand what, when we have that fear, well, some people won't like me now or some people won't approve of me. It's important to understand that's actually true. That's not a fear. That's just true. But it's also one of those illusions I just talked about. If you're only my teammate, quote-unquote, if I'm doing everything exactly the way you think I should do it, well, you're not really on my team. And and if one of the things, remember I said something, we lose things that are illusions, but we gain things that are amazing. If in that process I realize that approval and seeking people's approval is actually crazy, that's a huge gain. I um, am so clear about this for my own self now. I can either seek love from people. I can seek approval, but I can't do them both because they're exclusive. Here's how come. If somebody loves me, that means they know the real me and they still really care for me. That's love. But see, if I'm working to get people's approval, I work real hard not to be the real me. I work really hard at being the me. I think they think that I think that they think I should be. Mm-hmm. So I'm some other bring guy. That, bring that last sentence in for a fitting. I'll have it back for you by <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I meant Say that be, again, though, because I, I, I think I, I followed it. Because yes, so. you're trying to present, you, you're, you're, you're at risk of presenting an imposter to the world because what you really 
prize more than anything is just to be liked. Right, exactly. And so we settle for that approval thing where we try to be whoever we think they're right. what they want us to be. We do that chameleon thing. But see, here's the problem. We do that because we don't feel very, think very highly of ourselves. We don't really trust what God says about us. So we think we need people to pat us on the back and, be, and say good things about us. But if I've been faking it, and somebody says, Glenn, I really like you, but I can tell it's only because they fell for the fake me. This does not actually build on my self-esteem. The only thing it actually does is make me think, yeah, but if you know the real me. So it not only doesn't build my self-esteem, it actually makes me feel like more of an imposter and feel worse about myself. So I can, I can be my real self and let whoever's going to love me love me and whoever's not, not. Or I can try to make sure everybody I meet approves of me, but I really can't do them both. And so if in claiming the ministry that God has put on your heart, the call you're supposed to make, the ministry you're supposed to join, the neighbor you're supposed to invite to church, who knows what, if that means you might have to look over approval, remember there's some loss that might happen, you think, okay, I'm going to quit worrying about whether they approve of me because I want the people in my life who know me and care about me to actually love me, so I'm just going to be my real self. Now, and there's real freedom to sort of letting go of that approval thing. The first church I worked at as an associate pastor, mostly doing youth work and things like that, there were probably like 800 people in the church. And me and my team would come up with what I thought were really great ideas of things we could do at the junior high and senior high youth group. And pretty much every single time, 200 people thought, that was the greatest idea they'd ever heard. 200 people thought that was the stupidest thing they'd ever heard. And 400 people didn't care. (laughs) And it pretty much didn't matter which one, what ideas they came up with is going to divide about those same lines. 200, 400, 200, sort of like that. Mm-hmm. And it was frustrating to me back then because I thought I had to have approval. I wanted everybody to be on my team, blah, blah, blah. But the great thing in that process was I finally got it. Oh, that's not going to happen. It's always going to be 200, 400, 200. That's going to be how that goes. Which meant then that instead of doing what I thought would get people's approval, I was free to do what I actually thought was right. That when if God would put something on my heart and I would talk about the other youth leaders with it, and they're like, wow, that could be really great. Instead of worrying about, well, how is that going to play in Peoria? And what's everybody else going to think? If we thought about it, talked about it, gave it some thought, came back, prayed about it, and we all thought, man, that really seems right to me. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of a discernment process there. Then we would just do that because we really understood we could try for people's approval. That's not going to happen. Or we could do the thing we think we're called to do, trust that that will be amazing one way or another. And if there are some people who would disapprove of that, well, that's just going to have to be how that is. Because if I'm my real self, the, God, the person God called me to be, some people will disapprove of that. That's just true. Mm-hmm. Glenn, am I loving on my listeners or am I trying to win their approval? <laughs> um, here's what I see. Um, you work really, really hard to tell the truth. So. Because I don't like it. I mean, I, I, my feelings get obviously troubled when there's feedback suggesting that, I, you know, uh, they're not feeling that their expectations are being met or they're not happy with me or whatever. Perhaps, perhaps you should be a welder. Um, yeah, I've thought about that. <laughs> but... You're, it's a very intimate medium. I mean, oh, I know, they're in sure. their car, right. and yeah. your voice is coming through their radio, right. yep. and that's it's pretty intimate, right? Yes, it absolutely is. Yeah. And if you're dead honest about yourself, which, of course, Jesus always was, there are people going to disapprove of that. He's talked about, you know, um, 
have to eat my body and drink my blood, basically. And there were a lot of people who felt like, this is a hard saying, who can hear this? It says in the Gospel of John, and a lot of people left. But Jesus is like, well, I'm just telling you the truth. So if you don't approve of that, that's okay. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not here to win your approval. I'm here to tell the truth. Right. And the people who literally love me will want to be my disciples and follow me and think, man, that resonates deep in my heart. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. People who disapprove of me, well, I'm just going to have to go with that because he was clearly not here to win any popularity contest. <laughs> yeah. But I really do love my listeners. I oh, yeah, really for sure. love them. Absolutely. And what I want them to hear is the truth. Right. That's I mean, why That's anyway. why you tell the truth, because you care about them. Yeah. If you only cared about you, see, that's the whole thing about approval. Then I'm really always focused on myself. And, and even when I'm horrible. listening and trying to be look like I'm all caring, to look like that, see, I'm still thinking about myself and how I look to them. I actually love people. I just show up as my actual self, which is what Jesus did everywhere he went. And some people approved of that and some didn't, but I just see him over and over and over showing up as his authentic self. Yeah. That's a great message that can we show up every day as our authentic self. Right. And what I really found in this is there really was a freedom, like I talked about with the youth group, about then we could do whatever we really felt like God was leading us to do. And so I would just encourage our listeners to just be sort of thinking about that question. If you are willing to look over approval, which is a crazy thought anyway, it will never help you in any way. If you let go of that supposed need for approval, what would you be free to do? What would you do? And I'd love the listeners to just give that some thought and write back to us if they want to text us, call us, do whatever they want. I would be very interested to hear people's feedback about that question. If you let go of approval, what would you then be free to do? Because so often that fear of losing people's approval is a big fear that keeps us from living into the kingdom. That's a, that's a big question. Yeah. So if you were to let go of approval, right. what would you be free to do? Right. Sometimes I think, uh, put it another way, I sometimes ask myself, well, you know, who would I be without that thought? Right, absolutely. And if, and if I would say to myself, oh, I'd be really happy or right. excited or, right. you know, I would have no fear. Right. Well, then I have to examine what is that thought that right. I'm being so stuck with. Right, exactly. And how is that limiting my life? And I think when Jesus says in John 10 that, you know, we're called to live an abundant life, I think, right, we're supposed to live that big life. And see, that doesn't include approval. Seeking a people's approval leads me to live a really small life where mm-hmm. I'm always predictable, always do what other people think I'm going to do. And not only do other people not know me, honest to goodness, eventually I lose track of my own self. Mm-hmm. Glenn, what's at the other side of the spectrum if okay. somebody says, uh, um, I'm my own man, I don't care what people approve of me or not, I'm just going to be who I am. Uh-huh. That doesn't sound super loving, does it? Well, here's the thing. There's an arrogance to that sentence. I tried to say it arrogantly. I know, and you did great. <laughs> Thank but, you. You know, so you must be channeling somebody there, you know. Um, <laughs> that probably Rosemary. Okay, so, um, but what I'm thinking is this. See, if I just say, I'm just going to try and show up as my truest self, that's a really humble sentence. I don't care what anybody else thinks is a very arrogant sentence. Mm-hmm. I do care what people think. I just don't need their approval. So if I talk to a really smart friend of mine, I say, here's an idea, but I really want your feedback. And he gives us some prayerful thought and says, Glenn, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be really good in this area and that area. Here's the thing you might not have thought of. I want to know that. I'm not seeking their approval, but if they have wise counsel for me, I want to know that. That's why they say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. It's like, no, I care what they think. Mm -hmm. 
People have very helpful suggestions for me very often. I just don't want to act like I need their approval in order to do what I'm going to do. Mm, Well said. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about our kingdom-limiting fears. We talked about, hey, this won't work. Uh, I'll look stupid. I'll fail. That's fear number one. Fear number two is this will work, and there'll be change, (laughs) and that's scary, especially if things already feel shaky. And fear number three was some people won't like me. And what about that approval thing? So we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to go with fear number four. That's I think it's one of the biggest of all, uh, yeah. but I'm going to just leave it at that for now. Right. If you go to drglennpickering.com, he's got something called Glenn in 10 starting on Monday, Valentine's Day, and it's 10 nights in a row for 10 minutes only. It's on a Facebook Live event. You can go see it on his website, and it's under events you just uh, scroll down and you'll see it it's glenn and 10 we'll take a short break and be right back And you just joined us. You've, you're gonna. You're just in time because we're coming up to fear number four. Fear number three is this one. Uh, fear number three is some people won't like me. Now we're at fear number four. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest, and Glenn, this might be one of the biggest ones of all. Yep, I might get hurt. I might get hurt. Yes, I um I call this now the big lie because when I first started doing counseling and I asked people, gave them some suggestions about things I might want to do for a homework assignment that's sort of their next step forward. Oftentimes they'd say, oh, Glenn, but I might get hurt because I'd have to be vulnerable to do that. And I knew back then that there's something wrong with that, but I still pretty knew what I was doing. So I was sort of like, oh, no, I don't think so. But see, that was my wrong thinking. It's not that they, when I said, when they say they might get hurt, it's important to understand that's true. You might. That's not the big lie. The big lie is the half of that sentence that goes unsaid. If I'm vulnerable, I might get hurt. The unsaid part, but as if I'm invulnerable, I won't get hurt. Hmm. See, that part of the sentence is the lie, the yep. part that we don't actually say out loud. Because if I'm invulnerable, so nobody really knows me, nobody knows my struggles, my challenges, what's happening to me, how they can help me, how they can pray for me, minister to me, or join in ministry with me, nobody actually knows that, um, I will end up my life really, really alone. Mm-hmm. I, like disconnected from everybody, not, no real community, no actual friends. And I'm thinking, this is not what winning looks like. So it's like, yes, if I'm vulnerable, I might get hurt. But the tricky thing is, yes, and if I'm invulnerable, I get hurt for absolute certain. Mm-hmm. Every one of my relationships will end. Every one of my ministries will go badly. Even my business stuff's not going to go well because if you can't really do relationships, no matter what business you're in, you're still not going to be very good at it. So I get now that when people say, Glenn, I might get hurt, I think I say, yep, you got an 8% chance of that. you got a 100% chance of getting hurt otherwise. So... Your odds are 92% better mm-hmm. <laughs> if you do what they ask you to do. Now, and so often, like, people, they've maybe been through a relationship breakup, and so they say, Glenn, I just don't want to get hurt again. And probably most counselors would just nod their head and say, I understand. And say, I do understand. But I also say, yep, I get that. I probably would be anybody's knee-jerk reaction coming out of a hurt relationship. But you need to understand that that thought is not your friend. 
You can't have your goal for the rest of your life to be to not get hurt because you can't be vulnerable then. And now you're in that invulnerable group of who gets hurt for absolute certain. Walking through my life afraid of being hurt is not a godly life. And it's not, it's not a life I live in community. It's not a life, it's not a life. So I get if we go through a hurtful time, our knee-jerk reaction is I just don't want to get hurt again. I, I understand that with every fiber of my being. But I also want to say to people, yes, but don't hold too tightly to that thought. Because that thought, remember, God always wants us to move forward. God's always going to call us into the next thing. And if I'm saying I don't want to get hurt, say I'm not going to be willing to be called into my next thing. And then I literally no, no longer live into the kingdom. I'm not doing what God asked me to do because I'm just afraid of getting hurt. And that will always lead me away from ministry and from living in the kingdom in any way. I know we've talked about this in the past, Glenn, but you, you talk about the if you're invulnerable, you'll uh-huh. you'll always end up being hurt, mm-hmm. and that will bring isolation. Mm-hmm. And of course, that is the absolute opposite of what God talks about. That I will never leave you or forsake you. Right. So the enemy's lie would be you're going to end up alone, isolated, and you're going to be all by yourself. Right there, nobody will care. No one will care. And so I'm that's, literally that's I'm literally, the lie. I know I'm literally setting myself up though to believe that lie because if I think I don't want to get hurt, so I kind of keep people at a distance. It's easy for me to start to think, oh my gosh, I am going to end up that way, because you actually will. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I love, as you know, reading people's stories and near-death experiences. You know, people that die, cross over, and, and then come back and tell us what it's like on the other side, which is always just so miraculously uplifting to me, because it's so amazing. And they often say that there are only two things we bring with us, love and wisdom. I find the fact that the people who love me when they were here still do from the other side. I think that's very comforting. And wisdom. So we're supposed to learn stuff here. And it's so interesting to me that we bring that with us. I never actually thought about that before. So we bring the people we love with us and we bring wisdom with us. Now, the problem of living that big lie, I might get hurt, so I just stay invulnerable. So I live my life in isolation and I don't take any risks, which means I don't do relationships and I don't learn anything. So I'm literally living exactly the life God doesn't want me to live because God wants me to learn all about love and develop wisdom. And if I'm just kind of keeping people at a distance, I don't learn love or wisdom because wisdom happens in all of our interactions with other people and all the things we try and all the things that work and all the things that don't work. But if I'm afraid to try anything, then wisdom doesn't happen either. So then the two things we're literally here to do, I'm not doing Mm. Yeah, so fear number four, I might get hurt. I think that is probably, like you say, Glenn, one of the big lies. Right. And isn't isn't there wisdom in saying, I assume at some level I will always be getting hurt. Right. Because people are people and we disappoint each other and we, we hurt each other. Right. And absolutely... And we also bless each other and give each other purpose and meaning Amen. in our life, living community. So I always think to myself, yes, if I'm vulnerable, I might get hurt a little. But I will for sure be rewarded a lot. That's actually the big truth. Mm-hmm. So the big lie is if I'm vulnerable, I might get hurt. If I'm invulnerable, I won't. The truth is if I'm vulnerable, I might get hurt in some small way. And I will gain in ways that are so big it literally blows my mind. Even if... Um, even if I call my brother, who I haven't heard from 10 years, and reach out to him, do my forgiveness work first, like go of all the resentment and call my brother, and he's 
stunned by getting this call out of the balloons. Like, why are you calling me? <laughs> I could be a little hurt by that. And maybe I'll think, oh, that, I wish I hadn't called him. But the probability that he will now call me back at some time just went up by a factor of 100. My confidence in myself and my ability to take small rejections just got way stronger. <laughs> and I'm going to find out, oh, I thought I'd be so hurt by that, but you know what? I'm not. People often say, well, Glenn, I'm sure in the end they're going to be okay. And I always want to gently say to them, you're okay right now. And if you make that call and your brother's glad to hear from you, you'll be okay. If you make that call and your brother's kind of weird about it, you're still going to, you're okay. I mean, you are still loved. You're still justified. You're still everything you are. You still have all the gifts you had. I mean, nothing actually happened to you, mm-hmm. which is, we have to kind of get our minds around that if we're Christian followers, because God is always putting me in situations where I think, oh, I could lose something, but I realize there's nothing to lose, nothing real. Yeah. Glenn, I'd love for you to mention, because we've talked about some of the hurt of being vulnerable, but what right. about... You know, some of the strength and courage and blessings as a result of being vulnerable. Because I think that oh, far outweighs oh my gosh, by the risk million, of hurt. A million to one. This yeah, happens all you. the time at my house. So Gwen will say something, maybe it's a little sharp, or maybe I actually misunderstood it. And I feel I have a little bit of hurt feelings. I can feel all of my knee-jerk reactions kicking about shutting down, not saying anything, being sarcastic. And I just stop now and pray. I just ask God to help me find a better way. And so I say something loving or gentle back. And then this amazing thing happens. Gwen feels understood. Gwen feels cared for. She's like, oh, thank you for being so gentle about that. We have the sweetest night together. We have four good hours because for 10 seconds, I was willing to slow down and pick a different answer. Mm. You're getting smarter as you get older, aren't you? I just am, in <laughs> fact. I, uh, somebody asked me one time, when are you going to quit doing counseling? And I said, when I quit learning stuff. Yeah, which is never. I'm not so far. Yeah. Yeah, so you will... Um, experience uh, hurt, uh, obviously, right. I think that's just a good thing to just say, right. I'm going to embrace that idea mm-hmm. and understand this is how right. this life is going to go. Right. But also there is so much blessing. That's right. If, yeah. my, if a little toddler says, oh, Grandpa, I really want to learn how to walk, but I might fall down. I'm going to say, yep, you will. Yeah. I'm not even going to say, you might. Yeah. You say, yeah, you will. Yeah. And you'll learn something and you'll get better and better. Pretty soon you'll be running around with all the other kids outside. Isn't it interesting the way... Adults will treat kids in you know, little toddlers uh-huh. their little diapers when they're uh-huh. learning to walk and they fall. And adults always look at it and they say something like, oh, do you fall down and go boom? Right. I mean, it's never that dramatic. It's just right, like, right. you fell. Right. We'll, get, we'll help you up. Right. Right. And the message is always, get going. Right? I saw yeah. that happened. Yeah. I understand. You're fine. I understand you got bumped up. But you know what? Yeah. Don't sit there. Yeah. Get up. Try it again. And I just feel like God is always like this. I'm like, I go to God, I feel bad. I'm asking God forgiveness for my mistakes. And God's like, I don't care about your mistakes. What'd you learn? Mm -hmm. So if I'm willing to be honest and vulnerable, I could receive fill in the blank. Yes. That's a big one. That's what I really want people to be willing to sort of thoughtfully pray and discern about. If I'm willing to be honest and vulnerable, yes, I might get hurt. And I will almost certainly gain what? Mm. That's some good thinking. All right, cool. I love good thinking. thinking. Yeah, so uh, Glenn's outline for today, he's listed all four fears, and he's put his notes and the exercises all on one sheet. And if you want access to that, it is free to go get it. You can go to drglennpickering.com. And if you go under the tab that says resources, then there's a tab that says media, which would be this show. And then 
Also, if you get over to that website, he's got something else called tabs uh, or events. And under that event tab, it says Dr. Glenn's events. And coming up starting Monday is Glenn in 10. And that's going to happen for 10 minutes for 10 days in a row starting Monday. All right. 7 p.m. Central Time. And the first uh, session is you're half crazy and that's okay. <laughs> that's right. It's kind of provocative. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And I love some of your titles of uh, some of the sessions, the Glenn and 10 sessions. Um, so let him, letting go of control is a terrible idea. Obviously, there's some comedy there, uh, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, stop chasing approval, including mine. Choosing the easy ways to make your life hard. That what sounds pretty interesting to me. All right. Yeah. Glenn, thanks for being with me. Oh, thanks for having me. I yeah. love being on this show. Yeah, thanks. And thank you for joining me today and spending time. Maybe you don't listen live, but you go to the podcast and you go to MyFaithRadio.com in the afternoon with Bill's show page and you click on the topic or the guest that you want to hear and you listen to the show that way. So we're always thrilled that you're going to the website or listening live. Always love to be with you. Thank you so much. Looking forward to our time tomorrow as you lay your head on the pillow tonight. Know that God has a great plan in your life and he loves you. I'll see you. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.